Again, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32. It still tells us to start in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known by God about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile, futile in their thinking, and their foolish heart were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And to change the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man, mortal man and birds, and animals and the creeping things. Therefore, God gave them over or gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they had changed the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passion for their women, women, a changed natural relation for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relation with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving themselves the duty, due penalty for their error. And since, and since they did not see the fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a disbased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slander, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Let me pray for us as we... Walk through this test together. Our Father God, Lord, we ask you to help us at this time. Lord, we have heard these verses read or mentioned several times, Lord, and um, a lot of times, Lord, we have seen this test or used this test, Lord, to try to share the gospel with people. But Lord, I pray that, Lord, we get more than just sharing the gospel out of this text. This test right here is encouraging to the church is that we get Christ by faith. So help us, Lord, see this test correctly and encouraging, Lord, that we can be able to, to apply it to the Christian life, Lord. We can be encouraged by you and knowing what we've been saved from. So help me, Lord, as I preach your word faithfully. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Lord, uh, I'm weak. Um, I'm not a Bible scholar like many. But Lord, um, I just want to be faithful to your text. Let this test not be about intellect, build up our mind, puffed up with knowledge. But Lord, let this test, Lord, be what we need, what it needs us to make us more like you. So conform us more to the image of your son through this text. Shape our hearts. Grab our hearts, Lord. Mold our hearts. Let us be better people in this world by hearing this text today. 
So, Lord, help us, Lord, at this time. Build us up. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. In our day, um, in our day, people are getting more and more comfortable wearing fake Jordans. Let, let me say what I'm saying here. So Nike has come out with so many ways to detect fake Jordans. Because people would try to sell a rare pair of Jordans or a pair of Jordan that they can't get that is limited. They'll try to get it that is not Ashley. They've probably been made somewhere at a place. They can get it really cheap. And the shoes might not be authentic, but they might turn around and try to sell the shoe for $300 to $1,200. So people will put this crazy price on these shoes for them to hit a lick. Is that how y'all use words? Hit a lick? So Nike was like, nah, this is not going to continue to happen. So they cracked down on how to figure this out. Now, some of the shoes, they have put like barcodes on them and certain things they put on them to be able to scan the shoe. Certain item numbers you can be able to do to try to figure out these shoes are legit. So Nike gives a list online on ways you can detect how a shoe is legit or not legit. And I'm not any way that someone in here is wearing fake Jordans. I'm not mocking it at all, you know. Praise the Lord, you have shoes to come to church in. So I'm not knocking that at all, first of all. But I'm just mentioning though how Nike is trying to combat people kind of stealing their brand to make a profit off of their brand. So as I was thinking about our test this week, this Nike came up. And you might be asking, how does it relate to what we just read? Like, Chris, what are you talking about? Like, how does it Did you just read about Nike last night and you just want to say that in the story? I would say this very similar. I think that's what Paul is doing. Paul is letting us know of people of faith and people not of faith. People that are fake and people that are real. Paul is describing here that the people that are truly of faith, the people that are truly in Christ, are people that look this way. And the people that look this certain way that are in Christ, they are thankful for what God has given to them. So Paul is listening. These people right here from <coughs> verses 18 and 32 describe the people that are not in the faith. And also, for the people that are in the faith, we should be thankful because we were just like the people from 18 to 32. So all of us in this room that have used this to share the gospel with somebody that's struggling with homosexuality, somebody struggling with different sins and things of that nature, family, this text right here from 18 to 32, it deals more than just homosexuality. It deals a lot with paying kids not obeying their parents. Gossip, right? Gossip is in the same list are the same list with homosexuality. So a lot of time we, we try to pick and choose from this 18 to 32, right? But 18 to 32 letting us know apart from Christ, we fit in this category. Amen. We don't have anything to boast. We don't have anything to boast about. We are the one that says we are really good people, but we're just like those fake joys. We really wasn't good because we were so good. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? If we were so good, right, why did Jesus even come, Miss Denise? Why did he come, Miss Kathy? He came because we were part of 18 through 32. That's why he came. With that being said, let me kind of explain what brought us to this point, to 18. Some people in this room might got Romans 116 tattooed on them. What brought us to this text? 
to Romans 1.18. Let's backtrack, because some of y'all faces I missed on the last couple of Sundays. So let me backtrack and catch you up, all right? Paul wanted the Roman church to know that he's committed to Christ. So Rome, the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote this letter to the church in Romans. So the church in Romans, these are believers. He writing this letter to the church. Some of you guys might have wrote a letter to somebody. You might have sent a text message to somebody, a Facebook messenger to some message to somebody. Why did you send? You might send them to encourage them. Hey, Samuel, you had a good game yesterday. You did a good job yesterday, Samuel. Uh, Miss Sean, you did a great job seeing me yesterday as a patient. Jordan, somebody come in and say, hey, you was a great teacher this week. So somebody might send a message to encourage somebody. Paul is doing the same thing in his book of Romans. He knows what this church needs. They need encouragement. So you're writing this letter to encourage them. And sometimes encouragement might sound kind of like some discipline and encouragement. Somebody might say that, hey, you're you beating yourself, you're down on yourself. You know, you know, trust the Lord more. Trust Christ more. And they might write you a letter to tell you those certain things. Well, Paul is encouraging them as well. One way Paul encouraging them is that Paul said, I can't wait to come see you. I can't wait to come see you. Y'all might think I'm just talking a good game because I haven't came seen you yet, but I'm truly trying to come see you. So Paul is describing here in this text that he really want to come see them to encourage them. Then Paul lets them know from Romans 1, 16 and 17 that the Roman church can best believe that he is coming. So Romans 1, 1, 6, or Romans 1, 16, Paul let them know that he's coming. How you know he's coming? Because Paul is not afraid of the Roman Empire. Paul is, I'm coming, and I'm, I'm going to give you the work, and I'm going to give the Roman Empire the work. So the Christian antagonists and the Hebrew Israelites, the nation of Islam, and all of them, that probably Paul was facing, even though the Islam, nation of Islam wasn't there at the time. Paul is letting them know that, that it don't matter who you are, I'm coming to Rome to encourage the church, and I ain't afraid of you. Always say, I'm not afraid of God, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So Paul is letting them know that I'm coming to see y'all. I don't care who's in the way. I'm coming regardless. I'm coming to see you, to encourage you. So he's not ashamed of the gospel. And if the gospel is the only thing we can do, only thing we can have to be saved, it's the gospel. Because God has revealed his righteousness through the gospel. So we only can be saved our faith in Christ Jesus because of the gospel of Christ. If we try to be saved by our own works, it's not good news. It's not good news trying to save ourselves. Because we can't save ourselves. It is bad news. Because look it up. We all have tried to save ourselves in the past. And look what it turned out to be. Disaster, disaster, disaster. So we need somebody outside of ourselves to save us. Because our own words would be the same thing that God used to condemn us. Yeah. Look at your resume. That lying, the stealing, the gossiping, the session reward, that's our resume. For those that are not in Christ, we bring that resume before God when we die and say, God, this is my resume before you. This is who I am before you. Now, how do you think that's going to turn out? But the good news is that our resume, right, we have, right, we have this one resume where Christ takes his resume and put it on top of ours. And the father looked at Christ's resume 
And it said, Greg, well done, my good and faithful. Greg, you are my favorite servant. Greg, you're this. And Greg looking like, no, this is my. And Christ said, no, this is your new resume. He doesn't look at this old person anymore. He looks at Christ. That's good news for us that ain't Christ. He doesn't look at our past anymore because we're nailed to the cross. That's the great thing about being in Christ. So Paul lets us know in the Roman church, for those that are in Christ, that are faithful in Christ, you are saved by the gospel. I'm not afraid. I'm going to come there and give them the gospel. Give them the gospel. I'm encouraging the gospel. I'm coming for you. Now, Paul makes a contrast now, now in our test today. After he said he's not ashamed of the gospel, and how he said it's revealed in verse one, um, 17, he said, For in the it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So, Paul explained how the gospel and the righteousness is revealed by people that are faith. But now, again, in our test today, we're going to see the opposite of this. The people that are not of faith. The people that are not, the people that are ashamed of the gospel. And what it should do for us today as we leave here today, family, we should be the most humblest people around. We should be so humble after we hear this message today, knowing that we were like this, but now we're like this in Christ. Amen. Let's do it in three points. I'm doing the three points today. The wrath of God is upon the ungodly and unrighteous because they do not live by faith. It's going to be verse 18a. Point number two. They aren't living by faith because they suppress the truth. 18b to 23. And we're going to end off with, they aren't living by faith because God gave them up to their ways. Verses 24 to 32. So let's jump right into point one, the time we have. The wrath of God is upon the ungodly, the unrighteous, because they do not live by faith. Look at verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Verse 18 introduces us to the wrath of God. The word wrath is very similar to the word we know of as orgy in Greek. Orgies are like uncontrolled emotions. This is similar to the anger of God. So the word wrath is the same word we get from the word orgies as this uncontained emotions. So God is in the way of describing this right here as this wrath, this uncontained emotions. You guys ever seen before a football game and see them boys with them chains, you know, Miami Dolphins, I mean Miami Hurricane, used to have them chains on in the 90s. Y'all remember them chains? They do this right here. And they're holding them back like they're some dogs. They're finna go get them. That's right. They're holding their jersey back. They're finna go get the football team. Like they uncontained. Like they, they, they can't be contained. They can't ready to let them dogs out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't watch football. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But in the same way, you see this picture of this rap describing that this dog's been let out the cage. I don't know if you guys see them in the hood. You know, you know, you got them pit bulls, got them chains around their necks. And they just got. You know, slob all down and everything. They growl. They ready to just bite anybody coming their way, right? If you let that pit bull off that leash, everybody jumping on top of a car, right? Yeah. You're not going to try to outrun them. But in the same way right here we see this wrath of God is described like this uncontained emotions. Think about the God of creation. 
That God that can snap his finger like Thanos. That God can just destroy everything, right? He's described as this one with uncontained emotions. Like God has let off the leash, even though he's never on a leash. He's now, he's not holding back now. So think about all the wrath that God placed on somebody. That's what it described here. The wrath that God has revealed against all ungodliness. Since he is holy, he must be wrathful. But God's wrath is not revealed to by faith. Righteousness is revealed by faith in verse 17. Right? God doesn't reveal his wrath to faith, people of faith. He breathes his wrath. He, he, he reveals his wrath to people that are not of faith. Only the unfaithful sees this unleashed side of God. The side of God that's going to destroy the ash of the world that sees it. We can see that around us. Somebody is struggling with fentanyl or struggling with something like drug of addiction. You're just seeing their body just, just being destroyed over and over. It just even through God's general revelation, we can see some of God's wrath toward ungodliness. So how God's wrath destroys people. And not just through God's general revelation, through his special revelation, God is going to destroy sin forevermore. But God's grace is also revealed. Even in the story of Noah, in the days of Noah, how God destroyed the people that wasn't in the ark. We talked about this morning. But for those that are in the ark, are preserved. That for those that are of faith, are preserved. Those that are outside of faith, will see God's wrath. That's why it tells in verse 18 that God's wrath is revealed from heaven to the ungodly and the unrighteous men. If you want to see God's wrath, be ungodly and be unrighteous. Family, this is not a game. To be ungodly and be unrighteous is equal God's wrath. I'm not a math expert, you know, with the equal sign. But that's what it's saying, right? This is what equals. The unrighteous and ungodly equals God's wrath. The un I mean, the faithful equals God's righteousness. So, family, we might be asking, why would God do this towards the ungodly and the unrighteous? If God is so loving, why does he do this to ungodly and unrighteous people? Well, remember that God created all mankind for his glory. That was his purpose. His purpose was for his glory. Just like a football player's job is to do all what a coach asked him to do on the field. If the football player missed practice to go sell ice cream or to play Madden, then the coach has the freedom to deal with the player. Why are you going to practice? If the coach is when it owns the team, the player must listen to the coach. So, Kozo, a player come to you and say, hey, man, forget all that practice stuff. I see you at the game. More likely, Kozo, he might not be playing in the game, right? He might not even be on the team anymore. I don't know. It depends on one day. But in the same way, though, is that the coach determined because the toe coach owns the team. In the same way, God owned the creation. He set the terms. We can't come decide like a player decide. I'm coming to try, I'm coming to play on this day. I'm not coming on this day. If Zoe can say a player cannot play on this game, how can we limit God on what God want to do for those that break His law? So God called us to be. 
to be a people that are faith, to honor him, and family, we didn't honor him. And this is what God said as the terms. You brought this agreement, you get the wrath. We can't question that because this is his creation. This is his team. This is his world. We can't question why he do things. This is his, right? You go to work, right? You get that big old check at the end of the week, Elijah. That big old check. And everybody in the room will say, Elijah, we want you to spend that money on this, this, and this, right, this right here. Elijah will look at us crazy like, I worked this whole week. I'm going to spend my money how I want to spend it, correct? All right. In the same way, if God owns all things, he can determine what he want to do with his creation. He can determine what he want out of his creation. How can we question that? It belongs to him. It all belongs to him. So God caused us to glorify him, and we didn't. We dishonored him. We disobeyed him. And that's why the wrath of God is only is given toward the ungodly unrighteous. Even though this letter is written to the Roman church, we all can relate to what Paul is getting at. Because we all are like the ones that Paul is describing here. Because we all in this room have sinned and rejected the things of God. We all in this room have been ungodly and been unrighteous. So this message is for all of us in this room. So Paul is getting at is that everyone has done this. Everybody's been this. So he goes back to verse 1, Romans 1, 16, and 1, 1, 17, but not ashamed of the gospel, how the God righteous revealed by, from faith to faith is that for those in Christ, family, we're not like this anymore. We need to be thankful. This is who we were. This is where God's wrath was upon us. He writes to the Roman church that this is what God wrath revealed to ungodly family. You was ungodly. But guess what? God righteousness was revealed by faith. We don't get unrighteousness. We get righteousness. The first thing we see. Point number two. Let's jump down to point two. They aren't living by faith because they suppress the truth. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. The ungodly and the unrighteous suppress the truth. Suppress can be defined. I think Dazzling helped me with this definition. Suppress can be defined as refrain or hinder. Refrain or hinder. They know the truth, but they keep it to themselves. So it is, so, it is no such thing as they don't believe or because they don't know God. God created all of us to know him. It's not an excuse. So you meet somebody in, 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 in a community and you talk to them and they say God doesn't exist. That's a lie. They truly believe God doesn't exist, but they're suppressing that truth. Because if they actually have to believe that truth, they would have to submit to that truth. For them, they would say God doesn't exist. Or they would say God is this, or God is this. They suppress the truth. So there's no excuse. We know this about verses 19 and 23. For what can be known by God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Paul says that it is plain to them to know what has been revealed by God. And on top of that, God has shown it to everyone in sailors. So these folks that are ungodly and unrighteous are people that don't care what God has revealed to them about himself. So when sharing the gospel, a lot of times people approach people. And people might respond like God doesn't exist. Family, it's not true. God do exist. And deep down, their unbelief, they actually believe that God exists. But they suppress the truth. So it's not a such thing to say somebody, well, they don't believe in God. They don't believe God. 
They truly know there's a God. And they suppress it. And they say they don't believe to suppress it because of self-autonomy. They want to rule over God. If they accept the truth, then they will have to submit to the truth. Their pride is so strong that they, that they prefer to suppress the truth so it can be as God. And that makes sense. They go back to Genesis 3, doesn't it? Mankind wants the place of God. They want the glory for themselves. So they suppress what God has revealed about himself. You see, there's more in verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. It can be clearly perceived of God's eternal power and divine nature. Family, look at our bodies, how our body is made up through the anatomy. The blood cells, the white blood cells, the red blood cells, the kidneys, the liver, the tonsils, the, the I mean, everything part of the body is, is a show you a display of God's wisdom. And not just the human body. Look at the seasons. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. How leaves know when to fall and how grass know when to grow. Who put all this in place like this? Look how the sun moves. Look how the entire galaxy points to earth life. That earth is the only place human can live with the proper amount of water and food. Out of all the planets we know of, right? Only earth is the only place with the proper amount of water and air and food for our sustainability. Everywhere else, and astronauts have put a suit on to try to go around, to try to figure out other places where life exists. They find some places with certain other types of proper amount of oxygen or not proper amount of oxygen, place with not uh, no food, and so the astronauts have traveled all around trying to figure out, is there life anywhere else? And they haven't found it yet. So you won't find no lemon pepper wings on Mars. But you'll find them here on Earth. At Saturn fishing, I never heard an astronaut going to Saturn trying to catch some brim or some crappie. Oh, y'all might say slabs. But you can go to Hacking Lakes or Nova Lakes. The point, mean, the, 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 the point I'm making here, though, is that this is God's wisdom. How earth is set up in a way for us to be sustained. This is the eternal power of God. Who can understand it? I think you better see the electromagnetic field. How things works within that. The whole world is saying, is shouting out, there is a God. There is, there is a God. We know in Genesis 1 that God created mankind as a chief of his creation. Then look at the galaxy and there is no other planet that consists of human and have the basic living things for the human to survive. God said already, he created man, last of his creation. He created the land, he created, I mean, he got the, 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 the land, he created the, the heavens, he created the suns, he created the animals, 
the last of his creation was mankind. He made sure mankind was ready to be able to survive. He had everything else was created before mankind, and God created mankind. So again, God eternal power is seen. It's no excuse. It's seen. It's no excuse out there that God is yelling at us to creation. And the amazing thing about creation is that even uses within the Ark of the Covenant an almond right stick. It was an almond branch, right? It was dead. And the almond branch came to life and it bared almonds that pointed to something greater to come. That Jesus is going to be dead and Jesus is going to be brought to life. Even the grass outside is pointing to Jesus' resurrection. How grass died and grass come back up. Again, like creation is letting us know all around us that God exists and Jesus was coming. But we couldn't see that. We couldn't see it. We couldn't understand it. We were blinded. But all creation yells out at it. Then verse 21 to 23 goes on and says that for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God and would give thanks to him, but they became few in their thinking. Mankind thought they were doing something and not submitting to God. But in actuality, it was God who was one that was actually blinding them. They got that, that God gave them over to their ways. And so we see in verse 21 is that for all that they knew God. Family, it was us. They knew God. They knew God, but they suppressed the truth. So God was like, since y'all want to be smarter and wiser than me, go ahead and be it. If you want to be smarter and wiser than me, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and be as God did. So now mankind living a life, they don't have to submit to God now. They live a life now themselves thinking that they are God. This is what's best for them. This is what's best for them. This is what's best for them. Even a child, right? A child doesn't want to submit to their parent because a child want to be in the place of God. So sometimes parents say, okay, since you don't want to listen to me, I told you over and over this, go ahead and do your thing. Go ahead and do your thing. And a lot of times what happens, that child goes down a road of disparity. Family, we're not designed to live by ourselves in this world. We need somebody over us. Because we don't, if we think we have it all under control, family, we'll destroy ourselves and everybody else around us. Look at the history of America. Look at the history of the world. People trying to play the place of God, they have done so many brutal things throughout history. Trying to play God. So look how things have turned out. People place, taking the place of God. All throughout the ancient world, people try to play God. People start worshiping man. They start worshiping birds, animals, creeping things. We even saw the pagan world consisted of this. People start worshiping the sun, heaven, water, wind, thunder, fertilities, dogs, lions, snakes, and many other things. And you guys think this is like a joke or something, but people used to worship and they used to have sun god. You guys ever heard of Osiris? He was the god of Egypt. You guys have heard of Jupiter? He was the god of Rome and Hermes and Greece. And me and a couple people talked about one Sunday about the zodiac signs. How all the zodiac signs come from the Greek and, and Greek and Egypt type of mythologies. 
All of these certain things are saying that, that these things are God. That these things right here tells us who we are. These are things that we need to worship. Like Minerva and Atlas. These are pagan deities that man made to worship because God gave them over to their ways. And so for them to so say they don't want to worship God, they made their own gods. And for us, we might not make worship the sun or we don't, I don't know what's in your life right now. Even before you was outside of Christ, was it sexual lust? Right? Was it money? I mean, what's your idol you have made of that you chose over God? And that's what happened here, that God has given people over for them to worship the things of this world. But family, let us not submit to those things, but let us truly submit to Christ. So we just learned about these people aren't living by faith because they suppress the truth. The truth is out there to suppress it so they won't have to submit to God. Example of that is at work, right? You know, one of the things at work, you can play dumb, can't you? You didn't remember, you didn't hear this, you don't remember this. You do this, you suppress. You probably knew what the truth is. You suppress it because you don't like the new orders. You don't like what's happening, whatever the case may be. If y'all never done, I've done, I've done a lot of times at work. You know, some, something about to happen at work on this certain deadline. I didn't know what was doing that day. Right? Have anybody ever been there before? Like, you try to suppress and you play this I don't know game in that particular moment. That's the same thing we see here in this text. With unbelief. That people know there's a God, but they hate. They play this game for them. Now I'm have to submit to the Lord. And the third thing as we end here today, 24 to 32. They aren't living by faith because God gave them up to their ways. It tells us that in verse 24 that God gave them up. This phrase will be used quite a bit throughout the rest of the chapter. We see it in verse 26. We also see it in verse 28. We see it in other places. This part of God's wrath that he gives people over to their own thinking. This is crazy. Again, I mentioned this earlier. This is like a parent giving a child everything they want. On this past trip, my son Mark, who was in Seattle this past week, my son Mark saw the candy store in the airport in Vegas. He saw all this candy. His eyes just came, his eyes got this big. And we were like, okay, it might be too much candy for you, son. But for him, he wanted candy anyway. So what did we do? We gave him over to it. We gave him so much candy. He was just devouring candy, devouring and devouring. I'm like, this boy's gonna hurt himself. He just kept eating one piece after another. He just kept eating it, kept eating it. The next thing you know, on the rest of the trip, he had a bad stomach ache. We gave him what he wanted. We gave him what he wanted, and it hurt him. And another example is we talked about this in Bible this past week in prayer meeting. How babies like to put their hands in the outlet. If we just give our kids over to put their hands in the alley, they will kill themselves. So family, if we don't step in, our kids can hurt themselves. If God doesn't step in, we hurt ourselves. And that's what's happening here. 
God doesn't step in. God gives them over to it. That's the scariest thing about it. God is saying, now, okay, you want to be as God, you want these things, I'm going to give you those certain things. You want a lot of relationships, you want to follow behind ladies, you want to follow behind God, guess what, I'm going to give you that. And that's going to become your God. And that became unpure, it tells us in the text. So God gives us over to our own ways, we'll destroy ourselves. And that's exactly what is happening in the rest of the chapter. So God gave them over to lust. Lust got so bad, it affected everything that came out of their heart. Everything that came out of their heart to deal with catering to their lust. It became impure. By dishonoring their bodies among themselves. They even now start to do stuff with their bodies that, grat that gratify the flesh. You know our bodies to glorify God? Now they use their bodies to glorify themselves. God truly gave them over to these things they wanted. It was impurity. And this, this truly blinded them of the truth. <clears throat> so not only they suppressed the truth, God, they suppressed the truth. Now God blinded them with this wrath from the truth. So they are truly lost now. In verse 25 tells us the reason. Because they had changed the truth, right? They suppressed, they had changed the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever and amen. God created for his glory and they what? They put God to the side and made other things to be the glory. So God gave them all over to dishonorable passion and emotion. We see that the rest of this. For there are women a chain natural relation for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave a natural relation with women and were consumed with the passion for another man, another and men commit a shameless act with men, receiving themselves the due penalty of their error. So then, and since they did not see, man was created to marry woman. And woman was created to marry man. Since unfaithful people suppress the truth, and man want to glorify themselves, now they have turned God's word upside down. Now they're saying what is actually wrong is right, and what's actually right is actually wrong. Mm. So God gave them over to the passions of glorified flesh. It's actually the word homosexuality. The word homo is same, sexuality deals with lusts and passions. So he gave them over to, to like the same thing. That's what man wanted to do. And homosexuality has been going on for a long time. It's not just news. Oh, man, everybody, this is just so crazy now in our age. It's been going on for a long time. A long time throughout the Roman Empire. We had different cases of it throughout this. Even right here, this is during the time of the Roman Empire in the first century. Paul is writing about it here. We heard about instances of it in the Old Testament. You know, Moses gave laws condemning it. But mankind now, they have turned God true. So again, we talked about they became, they want to be wise, they became fools. Now they put God, but God gave them over to their ways. They suppressed the truth and God had blinded them. Now they say, okay, now we can like what we want to like. We can do the things that we want to do. So man passion became corrupt. That man wanted, to, wanted man and woman, and vice versa, woman wanted woman. So man and woman made God's covenant totally. Something that God 
design that man and woman, because man and woman pointed to Christ in his church. But now that model is taken away when mankind given to the desires of the flesh, the whole purpose of marriage is now, it's obsolete. We don't understand marriage now. We don't understand it. The whole purpose of marriage, it was not just for me to love Elaine. I love my wife and she loved me, but it's bigger than me and my wife. Me and my wife pointed to Christ in his church. It pointed to something glorious. But now with men giving over to their ways, they didn't think about though. They didn't want what God was trying to point. So they made a whole new picture. Now that's right. It doesn't have any meaning. Only meaning that man and man or woman and woman have is nothing but the desires of the flesh. The intent, the purpose of it is going away with it now for man and woman. The people that are living this type of way is not people of faith, but people are unfaithful. The people of faith are people that are not suppressing the truth. The people of faith are seeing Christ in the church. And the people that are unfaithful are the people that believe in themselves over God and they think they can save themselves and they think that this life right here to have for themselves is what's best for them. And that's why we see in the rest of this, it says fit, it fit to acknowledge God. God gave them up to debase mind to do what ought to not be done. They were filled with a manner of unrighteousness and evil uncovenedness. So now we get over here, not just man and man and woman together. I mean, man and man together, woman and woman together. Now he goes on and say, now they have a debased mind. He even used debased now, strong like with debased mind for those that all types of unrighteousness, people that are evil. People that try to backstab each other. People try to cover each other. Well, they got this. I want this. Well, he got this job. I want, I want this job. Malice. Full of envy. Murder. A murderer is the same as giving over for them. Feeling like, hey, I want to prove something to somebody. This is how tough I am. I'm going to murder somebody. The same way. Somebody uh, mentioned to me here recently to um, listen to a guy named NLE Chopper. And I listened to the words of NLE Chopper. And the thing that he was saying about how he doesn't mind like pulling the trigger and, and popping somebody. And he doesn't mind doing those things. And listen to those words again. This is an example of God's word has been fulfilled. Mankind has given over to the base mind. Now listen to NBA Youngboy. I was listening to the lyrics and had a nice little beat to it. I ain't lie, I had a beat to it. But the lyrics on the words, though, the thing they were saying again is God has given them over to these ways. For man to be okay to mother, murder another man because they came up on him. Again, this is okay with people that have been blinded from the truth. They're gossip. People have slandered each other. I have done that. I've done it many times. Slander and haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. I have boasted a lot. I boast a lot. And family, the people that are boastful, the people that does these things, these are the people that are ascribed to people that are unfaithful. Disobedient to parents, kids. Do your parents have to tell you things twice? Do they have to tell you things three times? Kids, you are part of this. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That ruthless is a strong word. Deal with 
I don't care nobody else around me. I'm going to get it. And I'll destroy anybody to come my way to get what I need to get. All these type of descriptions. And some of you guys might not be all of them. Some of y'all might not gossip. Some of y'all might not be slanders or, or some of y'all might not be murderers. But within that category, from verses 29 to 32, we all fit somewhere in this room, that, in that passage. We all in this room fit in there. So with that being said, that we all are considered to be a people that have been unfaithful. But Paul writes this church to a people that are faithful. So for us in there, this is who we used to be. These things doesn't define us. If we do gossip, we do do bad things. They don't define us anymore. We are in Christ and we're truly defined us. But for those that are not in Christ, this is who you are today. So family, as we get ready to end here today, let us be encouraged as believers first. Let us be encouraged by this. We was blinded from suppress the truth. It was God that opened our eyes. It was God that brought us to him. It was God that did it. So family, let us be humble people. Let us not point, people, point fingers at people saying that you are this, you are this. And again, the church has done a terrible disservice a lot with the homosexual community. I have met so many people that have been molested and have been through so many things when they were young. Have been through so many things. Not to give excuse for homosexuality, but family, we haven't done a good job to be sensitive and to be able to love them and care for them in a way that God designed us to care for them. Everybody have a story. I have met people also that steal. And for them, they grew up, they never had anything. And so they came around, somebody had a lot, and they took away from that person. They took some of that person because they never had it before. And next thing you know, you say, oh, you're a thief. You're a thief. They just never had the good life that you had. And we keep going down over and over and over and over with these certain things. Family, let us be humble. Nobody in this room is perfect but Christ. And the only reason we are perfect because of what Christ has done, not by our own works at all. Christ is the one that's perfect. So family, as we leave here today, let us be encouraged that yes, Family, this, this was us, but now we get Christ. So that could call us to be more humble to go find those that are like this now. Let's go find them and share them what happened to you, what happened to me, that you were dead in your sin and Christ brought you to life. Go share this good news with them that you did struggle with homosexuality, that you did struggle with stealing, that you did struggle with gossiping. You were just like them. You suppressed the truth, but God opened your, life, your eyes to see him. Now you are people of faith. Family, let's go back in humility instead of always using this scripture to let everybody know that they're lost. Which we should use this. We should use this to be able to set people that are lost. But the context of this passage right here today is to humble us as Christians to let us know that we were just like this, but we get Christ. Y'all see the difference? There's a difference in this real quick. I know it's technical. This passage right here from Romans 18 and 32 it's for believers to be humble, knowing that we only are saved by faith. The second thing we can get in this is for unbelievers to be able to see that they will get God's wrath in this text. So yes, it could be used for evangelism, but not, let us not skip over God is strengthening the body of Christ in this text. If you see the difference. Let me end. If you have any questions, after we can talk about it. A couple applications here. Paul is writing to a church of believers, but he's sharing with them the hearts of those that are not believing in, in the faith. So my question for you today is, 
Is your life mirroring the life of people living by faith? Is your life mirroring Christ, people that are living by faith? Take a moment think about that. Or do your life look more like unfaithful people? If your life look more like unfaithful people, family, you might be blinded. You might be suppressing the truth. And the good news today, I would say repent here today on this Lord's Day. Turn to him today. Salvation is given today. Say so today is the day of salvation. It tells us in Hebrews. Number two. In our society, many say wrong is right and right is wrong. Family, those folks will be judged by God. So my question would be for you today. Are you standing on truth? Are you standing on God's word? So pray to the Lord today for boldness. It's hard in our society. So many things are changing now. It feel like we got, it feel like we got to compromise to sit at the table now. Family, let us not compromise. Let us stay faithful to the end. And the last thing. Lastly, are you living a life of thankfulness? Are you living a life of thankfulness because we all have suppressed the truth and turned from God's word, turned God's word into a lot of times? So I would say it's right as we end. To encourage you in this. For, for, to encourage you to be more thankful every day. As you're thankful, you deal better with people. You're thankful, you deal better with coworkers. You kind others around you when you're thankful because you know what you have been given you don't deserve. So remember how you got to where you are now in believing in the Lord and sharing the truth to others. Remember how you got here. Jesus brought you here. Remember where you at today. Remember where you at. If you're a believing person in Christ, remember where you came from. Remember that you're not suppressing the truth now. Remember it was the Lord that opened your eyes. So be gracious to those the Lord has not opened their eyes. Be gracious to them and plead with them how the Lord pleaded with you. We can call into repentance, but remember we aren't any different from them apart from Christ. So our test today shall humble us to know for us to be living a life of faith. Again, yes, we can use it for evangelism, but it should humble us. What does it mean to live a life of faith? That faith is the only thing that can save us, faith in Christ. And as we live our faith in Christ, then others will see that around us. Amen, amen. Let us pray.